Hey, Glenn from the Made by Folk podcast here. For today's episode, I flew to London to interview Matt Rice. Matt and his wife Hege founded the digital design studio Senep 15 years ago and have produced some outstanding work along the way. But today I'm mainly interested in the side projects they produce on a regular basis, and especially their latest project, Alpha Putt. A game where typography meets crazy golf, it's really great fun and the amount of work that the Senep team have put into it is just ridiculous. So going through the process and hearing about the struggles of creating a game while still doing client work was incredibly interesting to listen to. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Made by Folk podcast, Matt. Thank you very much. Tell people where we are today, where, where are we having this chat? We are in Senep's offices in Whooping, and we are in a grade two listed Victorian warehouse, which sounds pretty fancy. Um, and we're on the river, north side of the river, overlooking Canary Wharf. Very nice. It's a lovely building. Like, it's, a, it's an incredible space as well. So for anyone that has not heard of Senep, maybe we'll start with that. Like, tell us a little bit about what Senep is and the kind of work that you guys produce. So we are um, a design agency based in London, as I've said. Um, we're very heavily focused on digital. We're in our 15th year this year. Most of our projects have a digital aspect to it. We have a team of designers and developers that work closely together. I think that's our strength when we can kind of work with design and code really seamlessly and, and kind of work in the sense that you're kind of prototyping stuff a lot and iterating on things and discovering stuff. So we're kind of digitally focused, so websites, apps, games, digital installations, anything with a digital aspect to it. So you mentioned like 15 years ago, you and your wife Hege founded um, the company. Yeah. And uh, I think you're going to have to tell us a little bit about the name for anyone that doesn't speak <laughs> Norwegian. Okay, so Senet means mustard. It's a Norwegian word. We wanted it to be a Norwegian word, I think. Because, uh, wife's because my wife's Norwegian. And we wanted a word that you could actually pronounce in English. So we were going through the fjords and the fjells and all these kind of words that we're a bit uncomfortable with people being able to say, even though there's loads of them out there now. And uh, yeah, mustard, I was learning Norwegian. I said it at a dinner table and we were struggling for a name and a few friends were like, yeah, what about that? So we yeah went with it and stuck with it. I like it. I think it's a great name. It seems like from, from what I follow online, you guys are always working on a side project. The, 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 the ones that really stuck in my mind back in the day were your Olo game, um, the bustle clock, which I was jealous about not being able to use outside London, uh, and then Broomy recently, which allows you to collect a tea order within a team, if I remember yes. correctly. And it seems that, yeah, you guys are always working on like a little side project. What motivates you and the team to, to constantly produce these, li these little projects? I think it's a, it was a very conscious decision from day one to do that. We, myself and Hego always wanted to make sure that we would do a personal project a year. So it's something that we're really happy that we've done actually more than probably one a year over the last 15 years. Um, they started off more in the installation space, so we were doing um, digital installations like the Dandelion, which was like an interactive um, dandelion powered by a, like interacting with a hairdryer. <laughs> it's 
quite a long time ago. And why do we do it? I think we're just really curious, like creatively curious. And we have great client projects that we enjoy working on. But I think in the industry we're in, we need to really keep pushing ourselves forward and learn new things. So there's many levels of why side projects are good. One is for learning, like new software, new kind of techniques, new work processes. Also, I guess for PR, it's nice to go, here's a new project. People are generally engaged in side projects. They see the passion that's in them and how hard they are to get out. So I think people are like those. Uh, it's great for the team internally if they get to work on them. They're very much sort of downtime projects in between, you know, waiting for feedback or, you know, waiting for a pitch to come back, something like that. So they've been really valuable to us in many, many ways. So um, I think we just want to carry on doing them. I think from my perspective, like the press side, it's very easy to, to share one of those projects as well. It's, there's nothing attached to it, you know, like it's just like for a bit of fun. It's, um, you know, very shareable compared to these are press release on a new project that we've done for our client. Yes. You know, it sometimes then feels more weighted. Uh, yeah. than a nice fun side project is. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a, a added bonus. How important are your side projects then in your your day-to-day -day work, your client work? They're really important, actually. I think we don't communicate that enough. I think that's something we're working on now is to kind of communicate how this almost like lab approach helps us evolve as designers and, and coders as well. And I think we can uh, allows us to sort of take a few risks and learn new things. And if we fail... And the client's not, you know, knocking on the door going, what have you done? <laughs> so we can try new technologies that maybe aren't mature. You know, at the moment we're looking at some AR stuff, we're looking at voice UI, and we can have an opinion on it. We can say, we've tried this, this doesn't work. You know, they might come with a brief that actually needs rewriting because we've already like looked into it and that is not necessarily a very good user experience, for example. So it's quite valuable in that sense that we can kind of try things out for them and <laughs> fail for them. <laughs> Hopefully not fail, but you know, you know what I mean. Well, it's better to fail on your own time on a fun experiment than to fail for a client, yeah. I guess. That's and for ourselves, it's never a failure because you've learned something out of it. You've kind of, I think yeah. there's kind of a win-win, um, but it'd be really good to con communicate that a bit more and involve people in the sort of prototyping process and get people in early and uh, test things out. And some clients are really good. You know, sometimes we start a project, we don't know how we're going to do it because it's, it's a new thing. So we say, you know, let's do two weeks. We prototype, we can see if it's technically going to stand up or if, if there's something in it. Yeah. So more of that type of work would be great actually in the future. So your probably longest running side project, I'm not sure what, <laughs> but it must be a record. Yeah. Is, it's uh, almost a bit embarrassing. <laughs> is your new game Alpha Putt, which is available for pre-order already yeah. and it should be out by the time we release this podcast. How long have you been working on this project? Okay, yeah, so I was looking into this before you came and I was like, oh, I think it's about a year and a half. And then I was looking back at emails and it's like, oh, it's definitely two years. And then, yeah, basically it's about three years before this initial idea started. When we were like, okay, we want to make a game. It's going to be physics-based. It's going to be based on sort of rough mini-golf mechanic. Mm -hmm. So we had what we thought was a really nice idea. Basically nine holes of mini golf, but stacked on top of each other. So you would kind of play down the course. You put a hole on hole one, it drops to two, three, but there's, there's a snakes and ladder feel to it. So you go back up to the top. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this sounds like a pretty neat concept. We can make this work. So we started exploring that. Um, and we, yeah, we couldn't quite make it work. We'd make it fun. <laughs> and it was getting to be, you know, it's quite expensive to sort of spend quite a lot of time trying to make something work. So it just sort of sat on the shelf for a while. To be honest, so three, it's not exactly, I've been working on this solidly for three years. It's been there, floating around in the background. Mm -hmm. 
it's this a little thing you kind of put out on Instagram just to see if people like the idea and it seemed to be really positive. So it's yeah. like, oh, we should try it, at least see where we can go with it. But it kind of evolved over over time. I think Alpha Part in its current form is about a year and a half in between, obviously, projects and lots of downtime. Um, so I think we've, yeah, one developer working full time, everyone else kind of ad hoc in between projects or, when you need them. or evenings or... <laughs> particularly for me so for our listeners who, who can't see the what alpha put is briefly describe the game uh, to our listeners okay essentially it's like typography meets crazy golf so you can play your way through the alphabet a to z or you can type your own course so you can choose your name you can play glenn you can play made by folk you can play whatever you like so i thought it was quite a nice little touch on that kind of build your own course theme i think that came out of how many courses do we need to make to make people play the game to to buy it and we had some very we had another sort of concept which was you were playing inside a, a body <laughs> which was uh, a concept that we also tried and but it was like where do you stop with the levels and 26 sound like felt manageable but in theory you've got as many courses as the english language so at least there's different ways to play the letters keep them calm on a dice roll this isn't your first game. I mentioned briefly earlier that uh, Oldo was one of my favorites when you first, I think uh, I think you made it like a browser-based yes. game originally, yeah. didn't you? So you yeah. didn't even really have to download anything. You weren't tied to the app store. You, you built it in the browser and you could just add it to your home screen. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, I think that was actually part of the initial sort of interest around it. Like I said, we were always doing like little experiments and this came out of uh, Christoph, our technical director, was playing with a little HTML5 at the time, physics-based thing on, on screen with just dots. Someone said, well, what was it little? how does it run on the iPad? I think it was the first iPad. Stuck it on there and it's like, ooh, it kind of runs nicely and it kind of feels like a game. Yeah. And it really organically evolved from that kind of thing. So we, within about maybe two weeks, we set some rules and then um, just put it out there. And you could, yeah, like you say, put it on the browser and put it on your phone and play it. Yeah. And uh, I think, Ended up with about 50,000 people playing it. And we're like, wow, this, <laughs> this feels like we might have something. And that was, that's great. That's, I mean, that's the benefit of be, building those prototypes because you yeah. actually find out that people, people are emailing saying, oh, you know, I'm addicted to this game. It's really good. So we then felt like we could invest in building it for real, like doing a proper product. Did Olo then lead you on to wanting to produce more games? Was that like a gateway drug? It was a bit. I think it was very exciting to start at this like html thing and then turn it and up maybe like six months later it's a, like a number one game and you're like wow this is a extremely exciting kind of process to go through and it's a product and it's something that you know people love to play and still have on their device and that was quite exciting yeah. um so there's always been that try and recreate that but then it, you know it's, it's very difficult it's that was so organic and so natural and it just happened yeah so when you then sit down to think about doing it again, it's like really like a little bit stressful and like, can we do it again? Can we recreate that? Yeah. Um, and that was, um, for anyone who hasn't played it, Olo is very simple. It's a very minimal game. It's a bit like a sort of cross between shuffleboard and air hockey. And it's basically dots. 
on a nice colored background. So in terms of graphics and design, it was super stripped back. There wasn't a lot to do. Alpha part is the opposite end where we're like trying to craft mini worlds into each letter, which takes a lot more time. Did you, were you able to learn things on Olo that you were then able to use on Alpha part? Or are they just so different that they hardly overlap? Not technically, but just about the process. Cause we were very naive to how to launch a game, how the app store works, how, you know, a feature kind of can make or break the game because there's so many games and it's just very hard to find a game. So it just disappears into this vast app store of games. I think the big thing we learned was once you launch it, it's not finished. That's pretty much the start of the project. <laughs> so we've, now we're prepared. We've got like a six month roadmap and we know like after launch that we can, we've got improvements we want to do. We've got, there'd be probably some little mini bug fixes to do and things like that. For, for our Android listeners, I already saw some uh, yes. hateful comments about yeah. it being iOS only. I guess that's also then part of the first released on either platform. You then usually are kind of encouraged. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's already people going, what? I can play on my phone. And there's Android users here that are like, you know, well, what's going on? So I think we're just trying to keep, obviously, as an internal project, self-funded thing, keep it as focused as we can. So iOS first and then basically see how it goes if it, you know if people like it then there's it's built in unity so it's in theory it shouldn't be too difficult to to do it again with Olo we it was all in Xcode so going to Android was basically rebuilding the whole thing yeah. um yeah so we, I guess we learned from that as well <laughs> unity see. hopefully will help it help us port it to different platforms easier so talking about the technical side it might be nice to mention or talk about the the team behind a game like this like yeah. how what, what what does the setup look like a setup to be able to produce a game next to your client work yeah so it's a very small core team and then there's a big supporting cast i think so we've got um myself kind of leading the project christoph our technical director and sophia project manager in in here so she came on board um, a little bit into the project to kind of try and keep a handle on budget and timelines. And so she's involved in marketing. Um, and then we have Aaron, who's our developer, Aaron Williams. He, he's a graduate. This is his first job out of, out of college. He's been working. He started as an intern just to explore the initial idea we had, help us like, see if we could make it work. And then that kind of evolved into Alpha Part. So he's been working full time on this iteration of the game for about a year and a half. So that's the core. That's this, the core team, and then we've got uh, Jonathan Lindgren, who's a really talented like motion designer, who's kind of working freelance. So here, work for maybe a three-week period intensely, and then have a break while we sort of implement stuff, and then they come back in for ten days and two days and sort of ad hoc scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have Coda Cola, our good friends who worked on the sound design for Olo, and are doing a really great job on the sound design for this as well. And then as it's been going so long, internally, I think everyone's touched it somehow. There's a website that's been designed and built. There's been promotion. There's been user testing. There's been uh, nice sort of rounds of concepts. So we had a really good kind of crazy eight session where everyone in the studio had like eight minutes to come up with concepts for different letters, get them all on the wall, kind of narrow the concepts down. And initially also we had another student from uh, the Winchester Games Design course helping with initial concepts for the first uh, three months of the project as well. So I keep thinking we're a really small team, but then there's a lot of a lot of people lot of kind of pulling, yeah, to help it kind of um, come along and then testers as well, external testers. 
I hope that I hope that anyone listening to this is actually going to go and try out because there's so many details in every single letter and uh, it's uh, I think each one you can turn as well and there's always like little hidden uh, um, details that aren't weren't even obvious at the beginning. Yeah, I think yeah, the one the that thing. I remember is the uh, the record player and I think you hid like a message uh, on the back of it. Oh, yeah, there's a little Dieter Rams quote on the back. So <laughs> yeah, so this has been the fun thing because we've got. Each, we got each letter and then you're kind of trying to, the letter form is kind of dictating how you play the game and actually Crazy Golf is quite simple. So we tried to keep it relatively simple. Uh, so the first bit was trying to find a typeface that would work really well. So like this typeface is called B Word um, by Matt Willey, I believe is how you pronounce the name. And his, uh, they've got these really nice rounded corners so the ball can sort of fly around the corners and it's quite quite long, so it's got quite a nice length to it for, for the mini golf. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so each letter has a theme, so that it takes quite a while to get sort of scratching out what theme would work the best. And then, yeah, as soon as we started rotating the 3D object, we're like, oh, we've got to have something on the back. So, for example, on the dodgeball, we've got all these little Senate banners on the back. We've got like... Um, Jay is uh, very much uh, Evil Knievel inspired, so we got a little Evil Knievel helmet and um, like little Senate like uh, buses and things like that. So there's loads of little details hidden in there. In fact, there's, there's loads more. Yeah, there's loads more we want to do, but I think that might come in phase two. But just these little hidden Easter eggs would be really nice to have in there. You mentioned the Coda to Coda earlier, helping you with the sound design. Yeah. At which point in the in, in the development process do do you get them involved? Like is that quite early on, right? To kind of give the games like a like a a, a specific atmosphere, or how how do you get them involved? So I think they got involved about six months ago. So we probably you've been testing the game. I think um, we've built enough holes as prototypes, and some of them with like some of the visuals in there to go. Okay, this one is signed off. Can you kind of look at bringing this this to life? So they're actually adding a really nice layer of um, kind of atmosphere and engagement in the whole. Um, so they did like a first round of that, and they they're really technical as well. So they've been sort of working out how to code code it so you've got really nice natural sounds as, as depending on the speed and um, the direction of things it's hitting, and there's kind of actually three-dimensional sound in there as well. So as you rotate things closer to you, you can hear them clearer and things like that. So they're really good at, they're really keen to sort of push those ideas into there. Uh, so they did a first round and then, as we always do, we're iterating all the designs and changing them. So they're like, okay, we'll wait now <laughs> until you've finished every hole. So they're due to start again now. So we've got five weeks till launch. Um, so they're now starting again, just to do a final round of like sound design. Um, so they've been involved, yeah, relatively early, even when some of the holes weren't, they were prototyped and designed in terms of gameplay, but not, not visually. It's funny because they, they bring some really nice atmosphere to it and then you get more visual ideas as well. Yeah, so it kind of feeds off each other. Yeah, so it's, it's a really, yeah, it's a really nice process to kind of bounce off. And the same with Jonathan as well, like sending him some sketches and references and then he'll come back with stuff and, oh yeah, that's really great. You know, he started putting stuff on the back as well and I think... I think he's got his name on the gravestones in the graveyard. <laughs> you can't even see them, but I'm sure they're there.
So what's your, uh, have you got a favorite level then, uh, to, to, if you had to pick one of the alphabet? That is a little bit like choosing your favorite child, because there's, like, there's a lot gone into them. I think, um, I think H is a favorite because it was the first one that we um, like visualized and got into the game and, and felt, oh yes, we're going to actually, this is going to look how we want it to look. So you've got like a half pipe with two skateboards oh, yeah, yeah. jumping and there's, that's the first time we actually got animation in there and we we're like, oh, this is nice because you spin it around, you've got the animation in 3D. And so there's, that's something nice about that. Um, but then, uh, yeah, there's loads, there's loads of different, they basically, because they have different themes, there's their own individual challenges within, mm -hmm. within each one. So mm -hmm. in the graveyard one, I just mentioned the bald is scared of the ghost. So there's, <laughs> so it will scream and jump off the course kind of thing. So there's, uh, it's hard to pick a favorite, which is good, I think, because I haven't playing it. You're not like, oh, I just want to play these three letters and not the rest. Yeah. But I think I'd probably go for H because it was the first one that looked good. <laughs> So for any team of, of any size that's listening to this and thinking like, yeah, this sounds, this sounds pretty good fun. I, I wouldn't mind developing a game. If you were able to start on this game again, like what's, what's the main thing that you learned that you would give them as a, uh, a tip along the way? Um, it's hard to say at this point, maybe it would be easier looking back, but I'm sort of still quite in it and like, oh, yeah. we've, got to, we've got to launch it in a few weeks. Um, but I think... I think it's been quite a good process as we've it's been a lot of prototyping of the whole so we're not really designing anything until we know it's fun to play mm -hmm. because there's a tendency as a design studio just to go if we, as long as it looks great then that will be great but just, you know it needs to play well so lots of prototyping to make sure it's fun fun to play was the, the thing that we've done and I think we definitely would do again I mean it'd be interest it's been interesting that it's gone over a long period and stopped in between client projects and things because you can reflect on it and stuff so it's not necessarily a bad thing it's been that long it'd be interesting to do it you know how long would it take if, if the full team was on it full time yeah. intensely we had a little bit of a thing where the first ones that started to look good and now recently the worst ones because we've sort of developed the style and we've got better at what we're doing so we've had to sort of circle back and kind of update some of the initial ones to make them all on the same level um, so I don't know if we do anything different, but I think it's been a good process of prototyping, designing, loads of backwards and forwards between everyone. Um, and it's been good. I mean, we've the Aaron's been in the studio, but also working remotely and Jonathan works remotely and Coder of their own office. So it's been quite a rem remote team beyond the core Senate team internally, um, which is works well. So, you know, if you were wanted to make a game, you've got a concept and you, you've got the skills for design, you, know, you can connect with a developer in somewhere else and knock it together between you. Over Slack, it's been pretty good. I mean, yeah. there's lots of Slack chat, but that's been the main, the main way we've been sort of pulling it together with the external help. So what are you most proud of that Senep has done over the last 15 years? Pretty proud that we've consistently produced a level of work, like a quality of work over, over 15 years and adapted to the changing kind of digital landscape and environment as it feels, you know, I'm sometimes can be a bit of a worrier. So I think at the start of every year, like to Heger, like this could be the year it all goes wrong and I don't want it to stop because I really like doing it. And it's like, this is, I'm, I love kind of doing Senate, but I'd kind of worry that what if someone took it away from you because you weren't, you know, you couldn't um, sustain the company or something. And Heger always laughs because it'd be, 
tend to be, you know, doing better every year than we have in the previous years. But um, so I'm quite proud that we managed to sustain it and keep going. And I'm proud that these projects allow us to grow, you know, looking if, I, if we sat in our little uh, studio or even flat when we started and saw this project looking forward, I'd be like, oh, great, if we're doing that, I'd be super happy. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So proud of loads of projects we've done. Um, really, I think proud of um, the team and the environment, like creating a, a company that people appear to be happy to come to work. We've got a nice office that, you know, feels like a nice place to, to work and people become lifelong friends. You know, that's really a really nice thing to know that people that you've employed become lifelong friends and get on well and hang out outside work. And that's a really nice thing. Um, and I think we have a really nice culture here. There's a really good group of, there's 20 of us and, you know, we go away once a year um, as a team just to spend time away from work. And there's no agenda. It's not like an AGM. We're like, right, this is what we're doing this year. It's just, let's go out, have a, have some good fun. So I think this year we went, last two years, in fact, we went to Barcelona and went to off. So we have some creative forums every Friday, like that's been going for probably solidly now for two years, where someone in the office will, will present to everyone. Yeah, tell, tell us a little more about the creative forum. You mentioned this earlier. The creative forum is present to the rest of the team something that you're interested in. So, and so it doesn't have to be work related. So we've had like all kinds of different presentations. So it's basically we all have lunch together on a Friday and then at one o'clock and at one thirty, someone stands up and talks for half an hour through a hobby, a project they've worked on, um, something they're interested in. So recently we've had a work focus one, so um, great talk on design systems, great talk on um, voice UI. Uh, sometimes we get partners in, so Coda to Coda came in and um, talked about their process and how they work with us, so the rest of the team know what the process for that is. Um, we've brewed some beer in the office and made some little Senate beer and stuff like that. So it kind of spills out a little bit into the afternoon, but I think it's really good for bonding and learning and know what people are interested in. You know, if you if there's a new person that can come and say, uh, Kin, for example, is a new, new guy and he does amazing pottery. So he did a talk and then offered to make everyone a mug. Like, so things like that. It's really, it's really good for culture and um, it's, it's something again quite proud of that we can keep doing that because you know it's quite a hard thing to to maintain especially when there's lots of work on and you've got deadlines and stuff like that on a weekly basis yeah yeah, well. yeah. So it's a bit sometimes it's a bit um on monday when you realize it's yours <laughs> you're like oh no yeah chris had a little bit of a look of panic <laughs> on his face when you guys he has yeah, to do it tomorrow forget, like, oh, shit. <laughs> i've got a forum but they're always really yeah they're always good and enlightening so what's next then on the on the list i guess you're going to launch the game soon and then you're saying it's a never-ending process how how, how does how does your roadmap for the next six months look like so the next six months will be listening to feedback and seeing if we can if there's respond to that i think just looking at what holes people play what the favorite you know just looking a little bit analytics and just going everyone loves these ones these ones aren't as strong maybe we need to improve them or change them um 
I'd love, well, it very much depends on, on how the game goes, but it'd be great to go, okay, this is set one, pack one, and work maybe with a different illustrator or come up with a completely different sort of concepts for a whole new alphabet. Um, I'm really curious to try like a Japanese character set <laughs> just because they look, they will look great. And I like the idea of like, I don't know, I think if you could have the theme of what the character means within the game, it might be a nice way to sort of lightly learn a bit of Japanese and also play, play the game. So there's something I've got in the back of my head. That sort of educational side we've sort of touched on. We've got, um, I think, 10,000 unique words in a sort of random generator. So you, if you don't want to type, pick a word that you might not know what it means, it gives you a little description. So there's a little aspect of learning along there, like almost like a word of the day. So there's things, I think a word of the day would be great. Like here's a word you can play it, and who can who can compete on that word over the week? Who's the best? So there's there's loads of little things in there. Like I think maybe bonus holes would be great if you get a hole in one on A. Does that allow you to unlock a a really new A? Or there's I mean there's loads of stuff I want to do. So hopefully people will buy it so we continue at least for a little bit longer and and kind of keep the team that we've got working on it. We've also um, built a prototype of augmented reality version as well. So I think um, that will be really interesting too. That's definitely in the pipeline too. Can you write a word in physical space? Mm -hmm. Can you go down the South Bank and have like a giant S followed by an O followed by a U and play on a walk? Mm -hmm. Now that's something we need to test more, but we've at least sort of dropped an A. I was actually getting a, on a flight to on holiday and I was like, oh, trying to drop the, the airport A on the on the runway <laughs> so I could get a good shot of it without yeah getting run over but um like the context of it you know dropping things in in a physical space seems like a really cool thing to play with so yeah, definitely. yeah there's loads there's lots of ideas so it'd be great to work on that and then we've got new website that's been probably as long as the uh, <laughs> in process as the game <laughs> so that'll be coming hopefully before Christmas so and yeah lots of nice client work as well well I'm I'm really certain that the game will be uh, hugely popular because I've I've played versions along the way where I think it only started off with three uh, holes and I already enjoyed those initial three and I've not even played all the letters yet and it's a really good fun quick game to play you know without having to invest too much time in it you can just play a quick quick word and then get on with uh, with your day it's been really good fun saying that one thing um that we really enjoyed from molo that it was a social game that you could play on one device together mm. and it's there's this aspect to that as well because we've with Olo we found people like eat, telling us that they would take it out for a meal and while they're waiting for their food they could play or even some guy who was on a date was to get it was like a little icebreaker so we like the idea of actually playing together, you know, with family or, you know, like kids and friends yeah. on the same device. And I think that's where real mini golf is enjoyable when you're competing against other people. So I think that aspect of it is kind of nice as well. Definitely. Well, I hope everyone listening to this is going to download the game and give it a shot. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, go and download the game. AlphaPlot is now available for pre-order on iOS. To find out more about the game and see some exclusive behind-the-scenes footage, head over to madebyfolk.com. The music you heard on this episode is brought to you by Mammal Sounds. The track is called Big Brights by Golden Vessel, and you can listen to the full song on our website. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends, and we always love to hear your feedback on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Speak to you in the next one. Oh,